politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight and guard our liberties anew to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for Friday, July 23rd. And normally I love Fridays because I can't wait to spend more time with my family, time off like everyone. But I actually need a Monday. There is just too much to clear the decks for one week. It's almost as if the week is starting anew. There are so many narratives that need to be promulgated. There are so many fights that need to be forged. And meanwhile, the theme today, as we go through the news of the day with things like the courts and COVID fascism, vaccine mandates, and crime, the theme today is that Republicans are seem to be obsessed with Cuba other countries fighting for other people. And they're like, look, look, there's freedom fighters there. We need to ensure that they don't get you know, punished by their government and there's chaos in the streets. And I'm thinking, do you not open your eyes to what is happening in your own realm? I am all for foreign policy focus. I used to spend a tremendous amount of time on it, especially if it's in our hemisphere. There's more of a case to be made to supporting the Cubans than, than some of these other things in the Middle East. But still, it's so tedious. It's been proven to be so problematic in the past. We've really failed to ever foster regime change. Yet here, it's right in front of you. Like it says in Deuteronomy, it's not in the heavens that you have to go up and get it or over the seas. It's right there in your heart and your mouth. Just articulate it and fight for it. In your own red states, Republicans. You have governing majorities that you could take back the freedom, but if you don't, you don't have freedom. The more information that comes out that these injections cause problems and don't stop the flow, and there are things that could stop the transmission, like ivermectin, and they're not using, but you could totally push this in your states. You're not doing. It's like it's impossible to get Republicans and conservative media to engage on the right issues, and often they're on the wrong side of it. But the minute they they see a righteous fight for someone else, man, are they into it. Boy, do their juices flow, the testosterone levels go up that were almost dormant. You need 40 CT levels of amplification to, to find testosterone levels in these Republicans for anything. Perhaps they need better glasses. They, they, they lack vision. You want good vision? We got authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear for you at Better Spectacles. Their Go-Specs lenses are terrific. They use advanced algorithms from more than a million patients measuring 7,000 points in the eye. More energy, no neck strain, the ability to help you see up to 40% better. My wife loves her Rodenstock glasses from Better Spectacles. Um, I do as well. Um, For me, I really see better, greater field of vision. Go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to schedule a tele-optical appointment so you don't have to leave your house and wear the mask, which, by the way, even in red states, every doctor's office still has it. Um, They're offering my audience an introductory 61% off their GoSpecs lenses plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. Just visit betterspectacles.com slash conservative to get your 2020 vision. Now, I don't know if it's a vision problem with these Republicans, but maybe it's in the heart. So yesterday, um, my buddy 
Ryan Grudowski writes for the American Conservative. He wrote an article, Congressional Republicans Seek to Give Biden War Powers for Cuba. And he writes that West Virginia GOP Rep. Alex Mooney is planning to introduce a new congressional joint resolution to grant President Joe Biden the ability to use war powers to deliver humanitarian aid to Cuba amid growing unrest. It's titled, The Authorization of Use of Military Forces Against Cuba to Ensure the Delivery of Humanitarian Aid. Has different stated goals, creating a safe zone to deliver aid. Um, the congressman refuses to, con- to comment on the story. Congressional Republicans have also held separate virtual member-level meetings regarding how to respond to the protests in Cuba. And it's like, I'm thinking, I mean, look, I, li- I like Alex. He's one of the better members. I helped him in his primary. Uh, he's the first somewhat conservative member ever in West Virginia. All the other Republicans are awful. Uh, he used to be in the Maryland legislature and then you know fled Maryland when it became so insane. But that's the point, Alex. Like, you moved to West Virginia for freedom. You don't have freedom in West Virginia. You got that Governor Jim Justice with, you know, in in counties that Trump carried four to one, pushing vaccine mandates everywhere there, still has mass mandates in a lot of capacities, but had a full one there for over a year. He's an utter fascist. And then if we have time to get to it, you have the courts there. Federal court just ruled that a state doesn't have the power to define, to keep sports, female sports, to females. At the same time, they're saying you don't have a right to bodily autonomy, and the state in West Virginia, the governor, could mandate an injection against your skin that's unproven and has known side effects and so many unknowns and now a lack of efficacy. They can mandate on your breathing holes a mask for hours in school, but but that same school doesn't have the power to merely keep the female sports team to only females. So he ruled this judge, it was uh, Judge Goodwin, that their um, state law they recently passed keeping uh, female sports to females is unconstitutional. <laughs> this is the country we live in. It's more fascist than than ever before. Heck, I don't even think the Cuban government does that. And that's happening right in West Virginia. Right now, with, you know, 65, 70% Trump majorities in West Virginia, you have a state where they can and do mandate clot shots and masks in schools, but not that the guy with the yin and yang doesn't participate in the girls' volleyball team. This is the country we become. I, this is what I don't understand. I, I get it. I like foreign policy too. But times have changed. We can't fight for others. We don't have our own house to fight for. But it's like they get so visceral and energetic to fight when it comes for other people. What's your theory? Why do you think that's the case? I can't figure it out. Bunch of senators on, what's his name, Lankford from Oklahoma, wants to fight Ben and Jerry's over their boycott of Judea and Samaria and Israel. And look, I'm as pro-Israel as they come. But it's like somehow only when it's for other people does it get their juices flowing. It's almost like this pseudo-humility's virtue signaling that you can only be righteous on behalf of someone else. But again, selflessness is only when it's literally yourself. Hey, I want to fight for other people. 
But when you're an elected representative, it's not for you. It's for your constituents. Your obligation is not for Afghanistan and Iraq and even for legitimately Cubans fighting for freedom and Israelis. You know, it's for for the people of West Virginia for Alex Mooney, the people of Oklahoma for James Langford. And yet they go along with it, every one of them. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey, Alabama. She fumes, this Washington Times, fumes over worse vaccination rates in the U.S. Start blaming the unvaccinated folks, she said. It's, it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the regular folks. It's the unvaccinated folks that are letting us down. And meanwhile, it's completely false information. 75% of all cases in Singapore are unvaccinated. The Israeli data is insane. The UK data, we're all seeing this. It's a lie. Every country now absolutely, positively doesn't protect against infection and increasingly not against serious illness either. I'm saying it's not just fascism. It's not even true. You know, according to new Israeli data, they believe the dominant strain Delta, whatever, that's it's everything now. It's only a 39% protection. That's what they're saying. And mind you, that number is BS because it keeps going down every day. It's probably close to zero when the dust all settles. Ivermectin prophylaxis studies have shown prevent, prevented by 86%. If you probably, And if you actually researched and studied the proper dosage, it would be in the 90s. And yet this clown, Kay Ivey, is indistinguishable from Fauci, governor of Alabama. Where is the fight for Alabama, West Virginia governor, Oklahoma? He's not quite as bad as those two, but this is the thing. It's everywhere. New UK data. They have the best data. Technical briefing every Friday. It comes out. Technical briefing on variants of concern. Just came out an hour ago. Over the last month, fully vaccinated people made up over half of new deaths. 106 out of 203. Okay? Hospitalizations. The last report, which went through June 19th, only 313 vaccinated people came to the ER. In the last month, 161 vaccinated people compared to 119 unvaccinated people. So more, much more, I mean a little bit more vaccinated than unvaccinated in the ER. Okay? So what that demonstrates is that it could be that in the past it had some efficacy, but it's a few months worth. It's a few months worth, like the flu shot, like we predicted. That's what the Israeli government is saying. It is abundantly clear. So ironically, all the places with actually the, you know, in the northern states that have higher vaccination rates that got vaccinated with more alacrity, that's going to wane quicker. To the extent there is efficacy, it's going to wane even quicker. Except the side effects long term, who knows? But that's the thing. This is such a lie. It's all built upon a lie. Hard data from the countries like Israel and the UK with the highest vaccination rates. You do a scatter diagram of every nation, every state. There is zero correlation with outcomes. One of the biggest lies taking place now is they're like, oh, look at all these like careless southern states with low vaccination rates and they, you know, did never wear masks and yada yada. And the joke is we had February, March, 
April, May, even into June, when the South, the virus was dead there, despite no masking and very low vaccine rates. And in the Northeast and Michigan and Minnesota, they were the hotspots for those months. Despite months of lockdowns and masking still in place at the time, plus, yeah, the vaccination rate would have been lower than it is now there, but it was pretty high already there, much higher than in the southern states, and it didn't help, and no one said anything. So we always knew, guess who's going to get the next wave? The ones that didn't get it the last time. It alternates. That's what it does, particularly in the southern latitudes for a summer wave. It's all natural. All natural. Truly unbelievable. So I have an article out today that it's so illogical, the case for vaccine mandates, that, I mean, even if you believe a government could in some circumstance do it, which they can't, it doesn't even pass a rational basis test, much less the strict scrutiny that a fundamental right should be subjected to. Now, speaking of courts and litigation, we badly need people to fight for our liberties Alliance Defending Freedom, our sponsor this week, for over 27 years, they've been fighting for religious liberty, sanctity of life, freedom of speech, marriage, parental rights in America's highest courts. They have a pretty good track record, um, even in the biased courts, which is very hard to get past some of these judges. Um, they are offering a free ebook titled Generational Wins, absolutely free, if you go to adflegal.org slash CR. Discover why fighting for what's right isn't just important for today, but how it impacts us for the coming generation. We have very few lawyers on our side fighting for us. We've certainly seen that. Um, and and like we're saying, I mean, America's becoming like Cuba. We got to fight for our freedoms here. ADF is part of that. Go to adflegal.org slash CR, adflegal.org slash CR to find out more about them. And, you know, if you are so kind to offer a donation. They work totally for free, and that's that's what we're at here. There is no money behind this litigation. So, you know, I was speaking today to James Bopp offline. He is a former Republican committeeman from Indiana. He's the lawyer representing the students at Indiana U. So an unbelievable development happened today. And again, this is Indiana University. Forget about the debate over private institutions. This is a state university in a state where Republicans have three-to-one majorities in the trifecta. And they did not pass legislation blocking it, the, the, the clot shot mandate. So the students were stuck with the only avenues to go to court. And a Trump-appointed judge, Damon Lighty. Ruled last week, no, 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 there's no fundamental right to bodily autonomy. There's a, there's a fundamental right to a positive benefit, like serving on a female sports team. A college, a state has no interest, no ability to block that. Oh, but they could mandate that in order to access public education, any vital good and service, you have to get an experimental injection that, that whose risk-benefit analysis proven by incontrovertible math and data and science now works against college-age students. Worse risk than benefit. You have to get it. No right to bodily autonomy. Only has to pass a rational basis test. Not strict scrutiny. Well, we have news today that will should prove that the vaccine mandate no longer passes even rational basis test. 
even assuming we're a fascist nation and you could start mandating such things on people, there is literally no benefit whatsoever. Talk about karma. Pamela Witten, the president of Indiana U, came down with a case of COVID. Okay? Now, mind you, it wasn't asymptomatic. She had symptoms. Now, she said it was mild symptoms. While the vaccine is not 100% effective, I'm so grateful to be protected from more serious symptoms, she said. She sent out an email to the, to the university. I encourage everyone to get vaccinated as soon as you can. Mike Miro, the chair of the IU Board of Trustees, who's a doctor, said, we are encouraging the, that the vaccine she received is doing what it should, preventing a more serious illness. Boy, is there a lot to unpack. But this completely busts out their argument, and I want, I want you guys to listen very carefully. Their entire argument is gone. See, with, with the mask, they had an argument that it doesn't protect me, it protects you. Now, we've proved... Chapter and verse, it doesn't protect anyone, but to the extent it would work in one direction, if you understand the laws of physics, it would actually work easier to protect you um, on from inhale rather than exhale, but putting that aside. But at least they were positing that argument. In their mind, they believe that. So to make that assertion, if their assertion would be correct, it's not. But if it would be correct, it would pass the test because, you know, it, it, it helps stop the spread of disease. And that's what the stupid Jacobson case that's been repealed a hundred times, but we're somehow going back to Plessy v. Ferguson and Gerard Scott. It said that, um, what's the language? I'm trying to see the language that the judge quoted from in the case here, that um, basically the legislature has the right to pass laws, which according to the common belief of the people are adapted to prevent the spread of contagious diseases. Now, mind you, no legislature has ever passed this. It's an executive fiat, but okay. But now the president got it. Seven fully vaccinated symptom students got it symptomatically at Stanford University. Everyone who has been vaccinated is getting it if they didn't have natural immunity. It's a joke. Their own line right now is, no, we never said it's going to stop disease. It just prevents serious illness. So that's the exact opposite of the mask argument. It's the exact opposite of an argument that you would need to posit in order to mandate on someone else. You're saying it benefits you, not someone else. You could totally get it, just like someone who's unvaccinated. Therefore, you could spread it, right? They believe asymptomatic could spread. I don't really believe that, but we do believe mildly symptomatic can, and they definitely, she got it mildly symptomatic. She has cold-like symptoms, definitely can spread it, just like you could spread a cold. Okay? Doesn't protect someone else. Doesn't stop you from spreading it. It protects the person who is vaccinated from themselves getting serious illness. So that is literally like telling someone not to drink soda or have too much red meat. Doesn't affect someone else, but it's a good idea for you. Assuming they're right. They're not, obviously. Again, I mean, the data is is clear. We're seeing this everywhere. That... It is, um, it's not protecting people. We're seeing that from the UK. We're seeing that from Israel. The Israeli data is 100% clear now. 
There's actually new data out today from Israel. And again, almost all of the people seriously ill in the hospital are vaccinated. It tracks very closely to the broad population vaccination rate in Israel. So it's actually not true that it's effective for preventing serious illness. Or if it is, it's for only three, four months maybe or whatever. But certainly at this point, it's not. That is the experience we're seeing in Israel and the UK, which are ahead of us in this summer spread. But nonetheless, the entire argument, and you read the briefs, you read Judge Leichty's opinion, it was all, there's a vital state interest in stopping the spread so they could assert anything they want on your body that stops the spread. It doesn't. How could she, she got busted and got sick with this, and she's like, oh, no, no, but it prevented serious illness. That has nothing to do with anything. That's an argument to put out advice, but not to mandate. This is the biggest thing. Their whole argument now is, wait a minute. There's a huge difference between getting it and getting seriously ill. Well, that was our argument the whole time about A, not categorizing younger people with older people, like not counting all cases, Now, finally, they're the ones using our case-demic terminology. Oh, wow, okay. And number two, that was our argument behind prophylaxis and early treatment. We're like, yeah, you might get it, but you're not, we'll keep you out of the hospital. And mind you, if you take ivermectin prophylactically, it actually prevents infection 86%. So you, if you want to be a fascist and you believe a state could do that, You would actually have the science and rational basis behind you much greater by mandating anyone who comes to college has to take prophylaxis doses of ivermectin unless they could show that they've already gotten the virus. If that's what what floats your boat. Now, mind you, Pamela Witten, I, I believe I'm estimating, I could be a year or two off just by researching her. She appears to be about 58 or so. I don't think she's obese, I don't know anything about her health status, but assuming she's just a regular 58-year-old, non-overweight woman, particularly a woman, it's unlikely she would have gotten a serious case of it. So even like this notion, they're now taking anyone who gets the virus now, after being vaccinated, phew, it prevented hospitalization. Well, who says you would have been? I mean, most people don't, you know, don't get it seriously, even, even if you're older. It's a higher percentage who's older, but it's still not a majority. Um, a lot of elderly people still even get it asymptomatically. So it's just like, really? It's just it's just a stupid thing. But this is where we are now. She's experiencing symptoms, so she could transmit it. And yet she is now saying that she can mandate it on people. But I'm not done yet. I'm not done. Let's indulge her advisory level mandate. Let's say you're not mandating it, but good advice. You know, look, it's stupid not to get it, prevents hospitalization, even if you can get it and transmit it. Let's unpack that. Phil Kirpin has a chart he put out on death rate by age stratification. Death rate per 100,000. And then what he did was he 
formulated a calculation of saying that, let's say Pfizer's shots are 97% effective against death. Okay, 97% effective. Now, everyone would agree at this point, it absolutely is not. It's much lower than that. The question is how much lower and for how long too. In other words, maybe maybe immediately after you get it, it's not 95% or 90% effective. After a few months, it drops to 80, 70, and maybe after a little while, it drops to close to zero. We don't know that yet. But what we see so far demonstrates that the onus of proof is on them, not on us. But let's say for good measure, 97% effective. If you look at the death rate for an 18-year-old without a hypothetical 97% effective vaccine, they still have one-fifth the risk of dying from COVID than a 60-year-old who is vaccinated, roughly the age of the president of the university. Okay, I didn't look at 80-year-old, but a 60-year-old, roughly one-fifth. Now, it's not. It's much better than that because it's not 97% effective, but even if it would be, that's what a joke this whole lie is. We're talking about 18 years old. There is supposedly one dubious hospitalization out of 12,000 students at IU who tested positive. Now, again, given the asymptomatic rate, particularly among young college kids, likely a lot more than 12,000 got it. So it's much better than 1 in 12,000. But one, dubious circumstances. Who knows if it was even related to that. Maybe they just went to the ER, was discharged. We don't really know. Think about that for a minute. You're mandating this on that. You go on a typical year, typical winter in a college dorm. The respiratory viruses, the bacterial infections, they flood the zone there. Always have college students checking into ERs. Much more, a much higher rate than that. Most of the time, it's not a, not a big deal, but we always live with that. Think about that. And you're telling me a state can mandate this? It's unbelievable. Truly, truly unbelievable. And folks, the UK is out with their data today. Okay? Same thing. Delta death rate is very low, 0.3%. But listen to this. They divide it for people under 50. The Delta variant for people under 50, not under 25, which is the main IU population, but people under 50. So you're roping in a little bit higher, you know, sicker. Some some people get sicker in middle age. You know, develop. It's much more common to develop heart disease and diabetes in your 40s and your 20s. Um, Certainly 18, 20, 22. Under 50, do you know what the case fatality rate, CFR, confirmed cases, do you know what the death rate's been from Delta? For those that are vaccinated, 0.03%. Do you know what it is for those who are unvaccinated? 0.03%. It's in their report today. No zero benefit. Okay, so we already know it doesn't stop the spread, doesn't stop you from getting it. Oh, no, 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 it stops you from from critical illness. Under 50, there is no evidence that there is any benefit. So that means all of the side effects we've seen and all the risks we've seen, no matter 
how much you believe it is in absolute terms, it's much greater than the benefit. But as we well know, shockingly, it's the college-age kids, and particularly the males, that have the worst risk of myocarditis. According to CDC, more than 200-fold increase in myocarditis cases within seven days of the second dose over the background rate of everyday myocarditis occurrences for 18 to 24-year-old males. So they're shouldering the worst risk, zero benefit. Not to themselves, not to the community, right? Because it doesn't stop the spread. It doesn't pass a rational basis test. It does nothing and only harms you. So even if it weren't a fundamental right, government couldn't do it. But yet in Indiana, here we have the Indiana legislature and governor won't stop it. And a Trump-appointed judge won't stop it. And yet Republicans are Cuba, Cuba. We have freedom, freedom, love, freedom. Let's fight for freedom in Ukraine and Cuba and this country, that country. What about in your own state? With the power you guys amassed. Remaking another country is one of the hardest things to do. What about preserving freedom in your own right state? It's truly unbelievable. You, you go to Idaho, Idaho. Idaho health districts encourage schools to stick with masks for those not vaccinated. KTVB 7. In Idaho's, as Idaho schools prepare for the return of students in less than a month, health districts are recommending that masks stick around. South Central Public Health District, Central District Health, and Southwest District Health urge school districts to utilize updated guidance for the, from the CDC. Okay? Southwest is Boise, but South Central and Central are even more conservative areas of Idaho. This is what we have going on there. It's unbelievable. We have worse tyranny in this country than for the most part what Cuba's been experiencing. And all for a lie. Notice we don't talk about Sweden. Daily COVID deaths have been zero recently. Like anyone else, they could get a wave. It's not like whatever, you know, it's not that not doing this stuff doesn't, you know, keeps it away. It just doesn't help. At all. They have a 37% vaccination rate. No masking. Zero deaths. This is Sweden. This is all an utter lie. And yet we can't get Republicans to get excited about any of this. And again, when you look at the effects, of, we're just looking at the zero. I mean, if, if there was a correlation, it had some sort of effect the damage would, would totally outweigh it. Certainly the fact that there's no effect. I mean, I have an article out today on, um, two articles out, one on the amount of deaths and robberies and carjackings that are going to take place. What does that have to do with COVID? Well, it doesn't have anything to do with COVID, but it has to do with the COVID lockdowns. We stupidly, wrongly determined that you could lock down a virus. So one of the things we did is lock down the court system. We suspended felony trials in, in, in some states for 9 to 10, 11 months. You have an insane backlog now. Insane backlog of murder cases. And then also of like robbery and carjacking cases that they're now going to be free. And those are among those people who commit, those are going to be your people that commit the future murders. Again, 
In one Michigan county, I forget the name of the county, it's Flint, Michigan, it is a backlog of 1,300 criminal cases in that one county alone, not even such a big county. It's not, not, it's not Wayne County, Detroit. Fulton County, Georgia. 1,433 defendants charged with violent crimes could be released, according to the prosecutor. If they don't clear the backlog. In King County, Washington, there's more than 250 pending murder cases, 400 sexual assault cases, out of 3,000 violent crime cases that are in the backlog. They were shut down for nine months in King County Superior Court. Houston, they're experiencing a 40% increase in homicides. Well, guess what? They have 140,000 backlog of criminal cases, half of them felony offenses. They're all let out with little or no bond. Data I saw from KRIV-TV, they quoted a source saying that defendants out on multiple felony bonds are suspected of being responsible for 127 murders. Okay? While, of course, the January 6th protesters are being held without without, um, bail, indefinitely, often without a charge. And, and and most of these Republicans, you better not touch those Cuba freedom fighters, Castro regime. What about your own thing down, you know, across the pond there in Washington? It's, why? Why is it always fighting for other people? Again, I'm not saying it's always bad and it, there's no merit. There's nothing to do with the trillions of budget we have at the State Department that if we had a normal president, there's there's stuff, we, there's plays that we can make. I don't have the brain power to speak intelligently about it with everything going on domestically, so I'm not focused on it. But but again, it's like it's funny when you watch the few things that stew their juices. It's never what's important to us. The terrible injustice of January 6th, the terrible injustice of COVID fascism, of blocking the few things that do work, of the crime bubble, and the emergency actions that need to be taken. All that garbage COVID funding with the, with the vaccines should be put towards the prosecutor's offices to clear the backlogs. They're not doing that enough. Where are the emergency meetings with Republican officials on that? You don't even need Democrats in any of these states for that. But that's where we're at with 39% effectiveness in preventing transmission. And by the way, one very important variable. You guys are such a smart audience, we could go very much in depth. I'm going to give you a very deep point here. The effectiveness of the vaccines in any analysis is much, much less than they're ever going to make it out to be among many reasons for the following point. We now know that the natural infection is impervious. Okay, the natural immunity is impervious. I just saw this in from Italy. Where was this? From Vo Italy, VO. That was one of the places that got hit very early, right? That's where it went first. That 98.8% of people who had COVID in the first wave nine months ago had detectable levels of antibodies at least nine months later, whether they were symptomatic or not. So even the most asymptomatic natural infection conveys broad long-term immunity. And again, 98.8%, we've noted many times, that's just the antibodies. 100% have the T cells and then the memory B cells could create more antibodies. 
So the point being that given that the global governments gave no credence to natural infection, you have to assume that there's not much of a spread among the people who chose to get vaccinated. Maybe there's a slight bias that people that know they had it already said, hey, I'm not going to get the vaccine. But among, let's say, the countries where 60-65% of people vaccinated, a good number of them, given that most countries, about half the people got it, and a lot of them don't even know they had it, so they might think they didn't have it and went and got vaccinated. The point is, a lot of them, they're not getting it when they're vaccinated, because not because of the vaccine, because they have natural infection. Half the people aren't going to get it because they had natural infection. Half the people are vaccinated. So again, that takes a big chunk out of that. All these idiots are like, well, Daniel, you know, we're definitely not seeing as many hospitalizations and deaths in this wave. And, and to the extent we are, it's those idiots that aren't vaccinated. No, you fool. You're not seeing it because unlike the earlier waves where we had more virgin territory with you know fewer people infected and at the beginning it was zero, now we have half the people in some places, a lot more, already immune to it. So of course it's not going to churn as much. And then the second reason is obviously Delta appears to be attenuated. And we see both of those factors true from India. India had a 3% vaccination rate. And they also had a pretty low seroprevalence. It wasn't, not. it was like 24%, but it wasn't 50 headed into the spread, right? In, in December, their last sero, sero, uh, serology test showed about 24% seroprevalence. So most of their spread was with the Delta. And they have one-sixth the death rate of America and the UK. Less than one-half the rate of Israel. And Israel always is going to do better than America and the UK just because their obesity rates are much lower. Much younger population, too, on, on, on average. Again, these are simple factors a lot of people forget. But, but you, you understand, like, it's, it's garbage. No one's saying that there might not, that, that there isn't some degree of efficacy on symptoms for some people mainly those who aren't immunocompromised, short-term. But that, that, that's a far cry from DTaP and MMR. To the extent you even believe that you could ever mandate something, how you can mandate this. Because then look at the side effects. You know, when I had that great presentation yesterday with Dr. Cole, I didn't have time to get into this, but I spoke with him on the phone later on. One of the things he does in his lab, mainly, he's been doing COVID, but he mainly looks at cancer biopsies. I mean, that's, that's what his lab does. He's always looking at them. And he's noticed, and he said there's literature on this, but he has personally seen this under the microscope as a pathologist. That your CD8 cells, these are your Navy SEALs. The CD8s are your killer T cells, not just the helper cells or the are the you know, T4 cells, these are the CD8 cells, these are the killer cells. So the CD8 levels in vaccinated specimens are down. They go down after people are vaccinated. So even if it has some efficacy from producing antibodies, which it might, short-term probably, to a certain extent for certain people, it quashes your CD8 cells which are more important 
And what he told me is it's not just a risk of mono and other viruses that people who are vaccinated may be susceptible to. Again, it's not incumbent upon us to prove 100% everyone who gets the virus is going to die of cancer. They're the ones that have to prove before even offering the product on the market, much less mandating it, that it's not going to happen. I'm sick of like, Daniel, it's not proven. I know it's not proven. We need to study it. That's the point. But he is positing that. He's seeing very disturbing trends. But he said even for cancer, those cells, believe it or not, it's not just viruses. The CD8s are instrumental in warding off cancer. He says he's seeing a lot more uterine cancer. Now, again, to be clear, there is another variable in that we had the shutdown, so the um, backlog of screenings, so that's a big factor, and it could be 100% responsible. It could be just that variable. When you have two variables, you don't know. But what we do know is the CD8 levels seem to be going down from the vaccines, and that is a big risk factor. That is a problem. That's just one point we can't even begin to imagine we're, we're just looking at the short-term people dropping dead the anaphylactic shock and the myocarditis and the blood clots and whatever um neurological things people are getting and yeah it's relatively low as a percentage but appallingly historically high greater than all other vaccines put together again almost twenty thousand reported deaths by the european cdc 1.2 million adverse reactions, of which half of them, over half of them, were deemed serious. You could you could say it's a small percentage, but dude, that is much greater than anything that we typically have lawsuits on and we pull, much less mandate. That is Nazism, literally. We call everyone a Nazi, but that is Nazism at its core. That's fascism at its core. That's using us as lab rats in violation of the Nuremberg Code. Yet, Republicans are nowhere to be seen on this fight. Nowhere to be seen. It's a handful. Rand Paul has been decent. By the way, Rand Paul endorsed Don Huffines against Greg Abbott. This is this is this is really unprecedented. I used to be on conference calls with certain conservative incumbents that were privately cheering on our fights against incumbents, but they never came out publicly against them. And I always said, look, I mean, I understand maybe in your own state in certain circumstances you're too scared, but if you really want to make a difference, you're going to have to start giving our candidates that public support. And kudos to Rand Paul for doing that. We need more of those people to do that. The Freedom Caucus guys, if they really believe in it, we, we need help. But that's where it is. It's in our hands. We don't need to reinvent the wheel and culture in Afghanistan or Cuba or elsewhere. You got it in Oklahoma and Idaho and Indiana, Alabama, Arizona, wherever you are. You could win on these issues. You could win on, on COVID fascism. You could win on ivermectin. You could win on the courts. The arguments we have that you're a judge and you're going to sit and mandate that a human being has a right to a positive benefit of being placed on the other gender sports team or access as a minor to puberty blockers and castration. But you don't have the right to merely refrain from the state 
forcibly injecting you with an experimental vaccine that is proven to be problematic and is proven to have very strong waning efficacy and no benefits for people under 50 from the get-go, out the gate. And yet Republicans are like, shut up! These people, you better get the vaccine! You're causing the problem. They're just as passionate as the Democrats are about it. Their only righteous indignation and passion exists for other people. Truly despicable, disgusting. But folks, we are going to fight for freedom here at home. If you live in a red state and you want to be a team leader, contact me, dharowitz at blazemedia.com or danielharowitz at startmail.com. You could fill out our form at conaction.network, conaction.network. We already have the people from this audience signed up, ready to be a strike force leader, to do media on social media in their local area, organize meetings and pressure calls to their local officials, organize primary challenges to school boards and county commissioners and prosecutors and county judges, state legislatures, gubernatorial races. That's where it's going to matter, not in Cuba. Because, folks, if we can't be that shining city on a hill, if we don't have basic human rights here at home, it's not like you're ever going to succeed in getting them in other countries, even if you so care about those other countries more than your own people. Folks, have a terrific weekend. Thanks for listening and promoting this show and giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next week, we'll be back, same time, same place. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.